0: Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of The World of Percy Jackson. In this episode we're going to read chapters 18 through 19 and in the previous episode we read chapters 16 through 17. And we left off with the group of Frank, Hazel, Piper, um, Jason, and Frank, and Leo. Um, the group uh, had uh, were trying to find uh, the book that they had pre- pre- recently um, taken. After they had encountered some monsters. So, right now, their objective is to find the owner of the book to hopefully get them some answers and maybe a slight advantage in helping them win against Gaia in the war. So, now we're going to read chapter 18 Frank. Frank might have liked Venice if it hadn't been summertime and tourist season, and if the city wasn't overrun with large, hairy creatures. Between the rows of old houses and canals, the sidewalks were already too narrow for the crowds, jostling one another and stopping to take pictures. The monsters made things worse. They shuffled around with their heads down, bumping into mortals and sniffing the pavement. One seemed to find something it liked at the edge of a canal. It nibbled and licked a crack between the stones until it dislodged some sort of greenish root. The monsters sucked it up happily and shambled along. Well, they're plant eaters. Frank said, "That's good news." Hazel slipped her hand into his. Unless they supplement their diet with demigods, let's hope not. Frank was so pleased to be holding her hand. The crowds and the heat and the monsters suddenly didn't seem so bad. He felt needed, useful. Not that Hazel required his protection. Anybody who'd seen her charging on Arian with her sword drawn would know she could take care of herself. Still, Frank liked being next to her, imagining he was her bodyguard. If any of these monsters tried to hurt her, Frank would gladly turn into a rhinoceros and push them into the canal. Could he do a rhino? Frank had never tried that before. Nico stopped. There. They turned onto a smaller street, leaving the canal behind. Ahead of them was a small plaza lined with five-story buildings. The area was strangely deserted as if the mortals could sense it wasn't safe in the middle of the cobblestone courtyard a dozen shaggy cow creatures were sniffing around the mossy base of an old stone well a lot of cows in one place frank said yeah but look nico said past that archway nico's eyes must have been better than his Frank squinted. At the far end of the plaza, a stone archway carved with lions led into a narrow street. Just past the arch, one of the townhouses was painted black, the only black building Frank had seen so far in Venice. La Casa Nera, he guessed. Hazel's grip tightened on his fingers. I don't like that plaza. It feels cold. Frank wasn't sure what she meant. He was still sweating like crazy. But Nico nodded. He studied the townhouse windows, most of which were covered with wooden shutters. You're right, Hazel. This neighborhood is filled with lemurs. Lemurs. Lemurs? Frank asked nervously. I'm guessing you don't mean the furry little guys from Madagascar. Angry ghosts. Nico said. mirrors go back to ancient Roman times. They hang around a lot of Italian cities, but I never felt so many in one place. My mom told me. He hesitated. She used to tell me stories about the ghosts of Venice. Again, Frank wondered about Nico's past, but he was afraid to ask. He caught Hazel's eye. Go ahead, she seemed to be saying. Nico needs practice talking to people the sounds of assault rifles and atom bombs got louder in frank's head mars and aries were trying to outsing each other with dixie and the battle hymn of the republic frank did his best to push that aside nico your mom was italian he guessed she was from venice nico nodded reluctantly she met hades here back in the 1930s as world war Two was getting closer she fled to the u.s with my sister and me I mean, Bianca, my other sister. I don't remember much about Italy, but I can still speak the language. Frank tried to think of a response. Oh, that's nice. Didn't seem to cut it. He was hanging out with not one, but two demigods who had been pulled out of time. They were both technically about 70 years older than he was. Must have been hard on your mom, Frank said. I guess we'll do anything for someone we love. Hazel squeezed his hand appreciatively. Nico stared at the cobblestones. Yeah, he said bitterly. I guess we will. Frank wasn't sure what Nico was thinking. He had a hard time imagining Nico D'Angelo acting out of love for anybody, except maybe Hazel. But Frank decided he'd gone as far as he dared with the personal questions. So, the lemurs, he swallowed. How do we avoid them? I'm already on it, Nico said. I'm sending out the message that they should stay away and ignore us. Hopefully that's enough. Otherwise, things could get messy. Hazel pursed her lips. Let's get going, she she suggested. Halfway across the piazza, everything went wrong, but it had nothing to do with ghosts. They were skirting the well in the middle of the square, trying to give the cow monsters some distance. When Hazel stumbled on a loose piece of cobblestone, Frank caught her. Six or seven of the big gray beasts turned to look at them. Frank glimpsed a glowing green eye under one's mane, and instantly he was hit with a wave of nausea. The way he felt that he ate too much cheese or ice cream. The creatures made deep throbbing sounds in their throats like angry foghorns. Nice cows, Frank murmured. He put himself between his friends and the monsters. Uh, Guys, I'm thinking we should back out of here, slowly. I'm such a klutz, Hazel whispered. Sorry. It's not your fault, Nico said. Look at your feet. Frank glanced down and caught his breath. Under their shoes, the paving stones were moving. Spiky plant tendrils were pushing up from the cracks. Nico stepped back. The roots snaked out in his direction, trying to follow. The tendrils got thicker, exuding a steamy green vapor that smelled of boiled cabbage. These roots seem to like demigods, Frank noted. Hazel's hand drifted towards sword hilt, and the cow creatures liked the roots. The entire herd was now looking their direction, making foghorn growls and stamping their hooves. Frank understood animal behavior well enough to get the message, you are standing on our food that makes you enemies. Frank tried to think. There were too many monsters to fight. Something about their eyes hidden under those shaggy manes. Frank had gotten sick from the barest glimpse. He had a bad feeling that if those monsters made direct eye contact, he might get a lot worse than nauseous. Don't meet their eyes, Frank warned. I'll distract them. You two back up slowly toward that black house. The creatures tensed, ready to attack. Never mind, Frank said. Run! As it turned out, Frank could not turn into a rhino and he lost valuable time trying. Nico and Hazel bolted for the side street. Frank stepped in front of the monsters, hoping to keep their attention. He yelled at the top of his lungs, imagining himself as a fearsome rhinoceros. But with Ares and Mars screaming in his head, he couldn't concentrate. He remained regular old Frank. Two of the cow, cow monsters peeled off from the herd to chase Nico and Hazel. No! Frank yelled after them. Me! I'm the rhino! The rest of the herd surrounded Frank. They growled, emerald green gas billowing from their nostrils. Frank stepped back to avoid the stuff, but the stench nearly knocked him over. Okay, so not a rhino. Something else. Frank knew he had only seconds before the monsters trampled or poisoned him. But he couldn't think. He couldn't hold the image of any animal long enough to change form. Then he glanced up at one of the townhouse balconies and saw a stone carving. The symbol of Venice. The next instant, Frank was a full-grown lion. He roared in challenge, then sprang from the middle of the monster herd and landed eight meters away, on top of the old stone well. The monsters growled in reply. Three of them sprang at once, but Frank was ready. His lion reflexes was, were built for speed in combat. He slashed the first two monsters into dust with his claws, then sank his fingers into the third one's throat and tossed it aside. There were seven left, plus the two chasing his friends. Not great odds, but Frank had to keep the bulk of the herd focused on him. He roared at the monsters, and they edged away. They outnumbered him, yes, but Frank was a top-of-the-chain predator. The herd monsters knew it. They also they had also just watched him send three of their friends to Tartarus. He pressed his advantage and leaped off the well, still bearing his fangs. The herd backed off. He, if he could just maneuver around them and then turn and run after his friends, he was doing all right until he took his first backward step toward the arch, one of the cows, either the bravest or the stupidest, took that as a sign of weakness. It charged and blasted Frank in the face with green gas. He slashed the monster to dust, but the damage was already done. He forced himself not to breathe. Regardless, he could feel the fur burning off his snout. His eyes stung. He staggered back, half-blind and dizzy, dimly aware of Nico screaming his name. Frank! 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 He tried to focus. He was back in human form, retching and stumbling. His face felt like it was peeling off. In front of him, the green cloud of gas floated up between him and the herd. The remaining cow monsters eyed him warily, probably wondering if Frank had any more tricks up his sleeve. He glanced behind him. Under the stone arch, Nico D'Angelo was holding his black Stygian iron sword, gesturing at Frank to hurry. At Nico's feet, two puddles of darkness stained the pavement. No doubt the remains of the cow monsters that had chased them and Hazel. She was propped against the wall behind her brother. She wasn't moving. Frank ran toward them, forgetting about the monster herd. He rushed past Nico and grabbed Hazel's shoulders, her head slumped against her chest. She got a blast of green gas right in the face, Nico said miserably. I... I wasn't fast enough. Frank couldn't tell if she was breathing. Rage and despair battled inside him. He'd always been scared of Nico. Now he wanted to dropkick the son of Hades into the nearest canal. Maybe that wasn't fair, but Frank didn't care. Neither did the war gods screaming in his head. We need to get her back to the ship, Frank said. The cow monsters heard, prowled cautiously just beyond the archway. They bellowed their foghorn cries from nearby streets. More monsters answered. Reinforcements would soon have the demigods surrounded. We'll never make it on foot. Nico said, Frank, turn into a giant eagle. Don't worry about me, get her back to the Argo II. With his face burning and the voices screaming in his mind, Frank wasn't sure he could change shape. But he was about to try when a voice behind him said, Your friends can't help you. They don't know the cure. Frank spun. Standing in the threshold of the black house was a young man in jeans and a denim shirt. He had curly black hair and a friendly smile, though Frank doubted he was probably friendly. Probably he wasn't even human. At the moment, Frank didn't care. Can you cure her? He asked. Of course, the man said. Well, you better hurry inside. I think you've angered every Catablips in Venice. And that's the end of chapter 17. No, 18. My bad. Yeah, that was definitely a very climactic um, chapter. I think that... We we have also started looking, you know, back into more of Nico. And I think I would really look forward to a chapter where we're focusing on Nico because I think it would be really fascinating to see his point of view. I think the amount of grief and the amount of stuff that he went through, it would I would want to see what his thought process is now. You know, usually we see him as this really, you know sad guy, but I, I, it would be really, I, I would like, I would be interested in finding out how exactly he does, his thinking is, you know, is he the opposite? How does he exactly think? Is he something that we don't expect? Is he actually optimistic or is he, you know, pessimistic or is he, you know, happy on the inside or also sad on the outs in, uh, or also sad in the inside as well? Because the more, the, the more that we see the interactions of Nico with others, it helps us to understand his character. But I would really like to see a chapter of him, you know, seeing from his point of view. But yeah, I think that this was definitely a, a fascinating chapter. W- looks like we're being introduced to another character. So right after the break, we're going to find out who this new interesting character is and what exactly are they and if they are someone that's going to help the group or hurt the group. So right after the break don't go anywhere maybe grab a snack maybe grab some water maybe grab some juice and we'll be right back and we're back from the ads and now we're going to read chapter 19 frank they barely made it inside as soon as their host threw the through the belt the bolts the cow monsters bellowed and slammed into the door making it shudder on its hinges oh they can't get in the man in the denim promised you're safe now safe frank demanded hazel is dying their host frowned as if he didn't appreciate frank ruining his good mood yes yes bring her this way frank carried hazel as they followed the man farther into the building nico offered to help but frank didn't need it Hazel weighed nothing, and Franks hummed with adrenaline. He could feel Hazel shivering, so at least he knew she was alive. But her skin was cold. Her lips had taken on a greenish tinge. Or was that just Franks blurry vision? His eyes still burned from the monster's breath. His lungs felt like he'd inhaled a flaming cabbage. He didn't know why the gas had affected him less than it had Hazel. Maybe she'd gotten more of it in her lungs. She would have given anything to change places if it meant saving her. The voice of Mars and Ares yelled and yelled in his head, urging him to kill Nico and the man in denim and anyone else he could find, but Frank forced down the noise. The house's front room was some sort of greenhouse. The walls were lined with tables of plant trays under fluorescent lights. The air smelled a fertilizer solution. Maybe Venetians did their gardening inside, since they were surrounded by water instead of soil. Frank wasn't sure, but he didn't spend much time worrying about it. The back room looked like a combination garage, college dorm, and computer lab. Against the left wall glowed a bank of servers and laptops, their screensavers flashing pictures of plowed fields and tractors. Against the right wall sat a single bed, a messy desk, and an open wardrobe filled with extra denim clothes and a stack of farm implements like pitchforks and rakes. The back wall was a huge garage door. Parked next to it was a red and gold chariot with an open car- carriage and a single axle. Like the chariots, Frank had raced at Camp Jupiter. Sprouting from the sides of the driver's box were giant feathery wings wrapped around the rim of the left wheel. A spotted python snored loudly. Frank hadn't known that pythons could snore. He hoped he hadn't done that himself in python form last night. Set your friend here, said the man in denim. Frank placed Hazel gently on the bed. He removed her sword and tried to make her comfortable, but she was as limp as a scarecrow. Her complexion definitely had a greenish tint. What were those cow things? Frank demanded. What did they do to her? Catobleponos. Catobleponis. Catobleponis said their host. Singular cattlebleps. In English it means downlooker. Call that because they're always looking down. Nico smacked his forehead. Right, I remember reading about them. Frank glared at him. Now? You remember? Nico hung his head almost as low as a cattle bleps. I, uh, used to play this stupid card game when I was younger, Mythomagic. Magic. The cattle was one of the monster cards. Frank blinked. I played Mythomagic. Magic. I never saw that card. It was in the Africanus Extreme Expansion deck. Oh. Their host cleared his throat. Are you two done, uh, geeking out, as they say? Right, sorry, Nico muttered. Anyway, cattle have poison breath and a poison gaze. I thought they only lived in Africa. The man in denim shrugged. That's their native land. They were actually imported to Venice hundreds of years ago. You ever heard of St. Mark? Frank wanted to scream with frustration. He didn't see how any of this was relevant, but if their host could heal Hazel, Frank decided maybe it would be best not to make him angry. Saints? They're not part of Greek mythology. The man in denim chuckled. <laughs> no, but St. Mark is, in the, is the patron saint of the city. He died in Egypt, oh, a well, long ago. When the Venetians became powerful, well, the relics of saints were a big tourist attraction back in the Middle Ages. The Venetians decided to steal St. Mark's remains and bring them to their big church of San Marco. They smuggled out his body in a barrel of pickled pig parts. That's disgusting, Frank said. Yes, the man agreed with a smile. The point is, you can't do something like that and not have consequences. The Venetians uni- unintentionally smuggled something else out of Egypt. The cat of They came here aboard that ship and have, them, have been breeding them like rats ever since. They love the magical poison roots that grow here. Swampy, foul-smelling plants that creep up from the canals. It makes their breath even more poisonous. Usually the monsters ignore mortals, but <laughs> demigods. Especially demigods who get in their way. Got it. Frank snapped. Can you cure her? The man shrugged. Possibly. Possibly. Frank had to use all his willpower not to throttle the guy. He put his hand under Hazel's nose. He couldn't feel her breath. Nico, please tell me she's doing that death trance thing like you did in the bronze jar. Nico grimaced. I don't know if Hazel can do that. Her dad is technically Pluto, not Hades. So, Hades! Hades! Cried, his, cried their host. He backed away, staring at Nico in distaste. So that's what I smell. Children of the underworld. If I'd known that, I would have never let you in. Frank rose. Hazel? Hazel's a good person. You promised you would help her. I did not promise. Nico drew his sword. She's my sister. He growled. I don't know who you are, but if you can cure her, you have to. Or so help me by the river sticks. Oh, blah, 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 blah. The May- man waved his hand. Suddenly, where Nico D'Angelo had been standing was a potted plant about five feet tall, with drooping green leaves, tufts of silk, and a half a dozen ripe gold- yellow ears of corn. There, the man huffed, wagging his finger all at the corn plant. Children of Hades can't order me around. You should talk less and listen more. Now at least you have ears. Frank stumbled against the bed. What did you... Why? The man raised an eyebrow. Frank made a squeaky noise that wasn't very courageous he'd been so focused on hazel he'd forgotten what Leo Todd told him about the guy they were looking for you're a god he remembered Triptolemus, the man bowed my friends call me trip so don't call me that and if you're another child of hades mars frank said quickly child of mars Triptolemus sniffed well not much better but perhaps you deserve to be something better than a corn plant sorghum sorghum is very nice wait frank pleaded we're here on a friendly mission we brought a gift very slowly he reached into his backpack and brought out the leather bound book this belongs to you my almanac tripped all grinned and seized the book he thumbed through the pages and started bouncing on the balls of his feet oh this is fabulous where did you find it um bologna there were these frank rumored that he wasn't supposed to mention the dwarfs terrible monsters. We risked our lives, but he, we knew this was important to you, so could you maybe, you know, turn Nico back to normal and heal Hazel? Who? Huh? Trip looked up from his book. He'd been happily reciting lines to himself, something about turn and planting schedules. Frank wished that Ella the Harpy were here. She would get along great with this guy. Oh, heal him. Tripptolemus clucked disapprovingly. I'm grateful for the book, of course. I can definitely let you go free, son of Mars, but I have a long-standing problem with Hades. After all, I owe my godly powers to Demeter. Frank racked his brain, but it was hard with the voices screaming in his head and the captobleb's poison making him dizzy. Uh, Demeter, he said, the plant goddess. She, mm, she didn't like Hades because suddenly he recalled an old story he heard at Camp Jupiter. Her daughter, Prosper, Proserpine, Persephone. Trip corrected. I prefer the Greek if you don't mind. Kill him! Mars screamed. Oh, I love this guy! Ares yelled back. Kill him anyway! Frank decided not to take offense. He didn't want to get turned into a sorghum plant. Okay, Hades kidnapped Persephone. Exactly! Trip said. So, Persephone was a friend of yours? Trip snorted. <laughs> I was just a mortal prince back then. Persephone wouldn't have noticed me, but when her mother Demeter went searching for her, scouring the whole earth, not many people would help her. Hecate lift her, lit her way at night with her torches, and I, well, when Demeter came to my part of Greece, I gave her a place to stay. I, com- I comforted her, gave her a meal, and offered my assistance. I didn't know she was a goddess at the time, but my good deed paid off. Later, Demeter rewarded me by making me a god of farming. Wow. Frank said, farming? Congratulations. I know! Pretty awesome, right? Anyway, Demeter never got along with Hades, so naturally, you know, I have to side with my patron goddess. Children of Hades? Ugh, forget it. In fact, one of them, a Scythian king named Linkos, when I tried to teach his countrymen about farming, he killed my right python! Your right python? Trip marched over to his winged chariot and hopped in. He pulled a lever and the wings began to flap. The spotted python on the left wheel opened its eyes. He started to writhe, coiling around the axle like a spring. The chariot whirred into motion, but the right wheel stayed in place, so Triptolomus spun in circles, the chariot beating its wings and bouncing up and down like a defective merry-go-round. "'You see?' he said as he spun. "'No good. Ever since I lost my writhe python, I haven't been able to spread the word about farming. At least not in person. Now I have to resort to giving online courses.' what as soon as he said it frank was sorry he'd asked trip hopped off the chariot while it was still spinning the python slowed to a stop and went back to snoring trip jogged over to the line of computers he tapped the keyboards and the sneeze screens woke up displaying a website in maroon and gold with a picture of a happy farmer in a toga and a john deere cap standing with his bron- bronze scythe in a f- wheeled field of wheat Triptolemus farming university he announced proudly, proudly, in just six weeks, you can get your bachelor's degree in the exciting and vibrant career of the future, farming. Frank felt a bead of sweat trickle down his cheek. He didn't care about this crazy god or his snake-powered chariot or his online de- degree program, but Hazel was turning greener by the moment. Nico was a corn plant, and he was alone. Look, he said, we did bring you the almanac, and my friends are really nice. They're not like those other children of Hades you met, so if there's any way... Oh! I see where you're going. Uh, you do? Absolutely! If I cure your friend Hazel and return the other one... Nicholas... Nico. If I return him to normal... Frank hesitated. Yes? Then exchange you, stay with me, and take up farming. A child of Mars is my apprentice. It's perfect. What a spokesman you'll be. We can beat swords into plowshares and have so much fun. Actually... Frank tried frantically to come up with a plan. Ares and Mars screamed in his head Swords, guns, massive kabooms! If he declined Tripp's offer, Frank figured he would offend the guy and end up as sorghum or wheat or some other cash crop. If it was the only way to save Hazel, then sure, he could agree to Tripp's demands and become a farmer. But that couldn't be the only way. Frank refused to believe he'd been chosen by the fates to go on this quest just so he could take online courses in turnip cultivation. Frank's eyes wandered to the broken chariot. I have a better offer, he blurted out. I can fix that. Tripp's smile melted. Fix? My chariot? Frank wanted to kick himself. What was he thinking? He wasn't Leo. He couldn't even figure out a stupid pair of Chinese handcuffs. He could barely change the batteries in a TV remote. He couldn't fix a magical chariot. But something told him it was his only chance. That chariot was the only thing Triptolemus might really want. I'll go find a way to fix the chariot, he said. In return, you fix Nico and Hazel. Let us go in peace and and give us whatever aid you can to defeat Degea's forces. Triptolemus laughed. Ha ha ha! What makes you think I can aid you with that? Hegarty told us so, Frank said. She sent us here. Sh- she... She decided Hazel is one of her favorites. The color drained from Tripp's face. Hecate. Frank hoped he wasn't overstating things. He didn't need Hecate mad at him, too. But if Triptolemus and Hecate were both friends to Demeter, maybe that would convince Trip to help. The goddess guided us to your almanac in Bologna, Frank said. She wanted us to return it to you, because, well, she must have known you had some knowledge that would get us to help us through the house of Hades and Epirus. Tripp nodded slowly. Yes, I see. I know why hecate sent you to me. Very well, son of Mars. Go find a way to fix my chariot. If you succeed, I will do all you ask. If not... I know. Frank grumbled. My friends die. Yes! Trip said cheerfully. And you'll make a lovely patch of sorghum! And that's the end of chapter 19. Well, that was certainly a very fascinating chapter. I think... I was definitely expecting maybe a Roman um, god. (laughs) But, you know to be the one but you know i think that this is pretty fascinating we get to meet this new um character the god of farming it seems and yeah i think that he's definitely going to be a very interesting character while we have him at it and i think that i definitely have faith in frank that he's going to be able to find a way to fix that chariot um but uh yeah i think i i definitely do have faith in frank in being able to fix that chariot. Even I think this is where we see the 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 characters other than Percy, Annabeth, being able to shine. And as much as I love Percy and Annabeth, I think that if we, when we get to see the strengths of the other characters, it really makes this book shine. It makes the plot shine. It really helps with the character development, and it really helps us understand. What these characters are. It's like we personally know these characters. So I think that that's really a really great way to um, end off this chapter. So, yeah, now moving on to everyone's favorite part, we're going to move on to the shout outs and the QA session. So, moving on to the shout outs, um, we have number one, Evans, number two, John the Stunt Dog, and number three, Josie. If I missed anyone, do please let me know next time and I will try my best to get you in the next episode. Um, moving on to the QA session. Number one is, who would you want your godly parent to be? Um, in the previous episodes, I said I took a godly parent quiz, and I got, um, Poseidon and Athena. Um, but I think someone I would definitely find interesting to be, to have as my godly parent. You know, I I totally love having Poseidon and Athena as my godly parents, but I think I would probably want to have either Apollo or um, I think either Apollo, Dionysus, or, um, yeah, actually, I think I forgot the other one, (laughs) I probably, I probably, um, my top, uh, top ones would probably have, um, Apollo and Dionysus, it's just, they're so, they're just, So funny and so energetic and so entertaining. It'd be so fun to have them as godly parents. It'd be just... It'd be fun to just know them. And, yeah. So, I think I definitely want them as my godly parents. Um, The next one would be... If you could make a magical item, what would it be? Um... Probably something related to... Something like Daedalus's laptop. uh, Because I think the amount of knowledge that has... And the amount of advancements it has in general is so important and them and just being able to like have access to that and with a few tweaks here and there I think that it could definitely be something that I would love to have like if you could have Daedalus's laptop and maybe turn the designs that are on that laptop into real life like that would be amazing I would honestly love that um what's the next question would you rather be stuck in the labyrinth for 10 years or Tartarus for one year? Wow. Um that 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 is definitely a a, a hard question. Um I would probably say being stuck in the labyrinth for 10 years. The reason is because I think I feel like I would enjoy exploring a bit more than suffering for one year. <laughs> Um, now I'm not gonna... I, I, there definitely will be challenges, you know, going through a labyrinth. Um, especially when it's endless for 10 years. But I think that the the amount of exploring... It's just you can never get bored with it. I think after a while with some a place like Tartarus, it's not only suffering. You're not only suffering there, you're also getting bored. And you just have nothing else to do while also fighting monsters. So I think that all in all, I think it's just more fascinating in general to, um, navigate something like The Labyrinth instead. Um, the next question is, do you like musicals? If so, have you watched The Lightning Thief, um, musical, and if not, would you give it a try? Um, I don't usually watch musicals, um, but I think I would definitely want to give it a try, um, because I definitely have not seen The Lightning Thief musical, and I would definitely want to see a live, you know, a live, uh, interpretation of this book, um, it, it would be pretty epic to see that, um, next question is, are you reading Trials of Apollo, um, I am planning to, yeah, yes, um, if, uh, I'm planning, I'm hoping to go, I'm planning for, um, to go in chronological order, um, in terms of Percy Jackson and the entire series that Rick Riordan has created for this Greek slash Roman mythology, um, series, so, yeah, I will definitely get probably be reading Apollo uh, Trials of Apollo. Um it's, it it sounds awesome. I think that um it's definitely uh, a fan favorite for a lot of people in terms of series. So, yeah, I think I, I will definitely be reading that. Uh next question is, would you have ever guessed Percy and Annabeth would get together in the beginning? Um well, I've definitely heard like before um, I ever read the series, I d- I did know that they were a couple, and I think that once you, once I started reading it, um, I think it kind of made sense to me, because it followed those kind of tropes. Um, it followed that kind of enemies to lovers trope. That um, it's kind of it's 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 very well written. I think it's it's one of um, the tropes that have been beautifully represented here. Um, in this book and I and because well it's not too much of an enemies because they don't really hate each other to the death but I think the the progression of relation of their relationship has definitely grown to see something as a beautiful part of this whole series just seeing their relationship and the growth of that so yeah um I so to answer the question um yes but also no if that makes sense. It's, it's, I did expect that they would be together, but not in a way, I did not expect the, like, the, 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 the growth, the way that they would get together. Um, so yeah. Uh, the next question is, well, the favorite side character that is not seen much, I would probably say Dionysus my reason being is that I am a huge um favorite I I I love the comedic reliefs and I love the comedic side characters uh, no matter who that is and I think that Dionysus yet again is probably one of those iconic side characters that we don't see much but when he makes uh an appearance on the screen it's you can't forget him and I think that's just what I love about him It's just, it's the fact that He's one of those people where he seems hard on the outside, very, you know, rough and doesn't want to talk to anyone. But in reality, he's very soft and he's funny at that, too. You know, just with his dyed coke and, you know, his outfits is just it's 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 iconic for him. Um, The next question is, have you ever taken a what demigod are you quiz? Um, I don't believe so. I don't remember taking one, but, um, if I were to take one, I'd probably say I'd get Annabeth, um, you know, so, simply because some of my interests are a little bit, um, matching with hers, but, yeah, uh, along with some other characters as well, but I think I, I'd mostly match with Annabeth, um, next question is, and our last question, have you read Creek Keeper of the Lost Cities? I actually have not. Um, I do know that that is yet another iconic series, a very famous and popular series that every a lot of people do enjoy, have enjoyed reading, and still enjoy to this day. So yeah, maybe I might make a potential podcast on that, we never know. So yeah, um, that is all I have for the Q&A session. Thank you guys for all the questions you have created for me. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode as much as I did, and... Once again, if you guys would like to support me, it's completely optional. But there is a link to my Patreon in the bio slash description of this podcast. Um, uh, I would it would be really appreciated if you, you know, could go check that out. Um, but other than that, I hope you guys had a great time listening to this episode. And until next week, stay safe and stay out of boredom.